see all that snow outside this time of year, this special, usually special time of year, the holidays, and I think of baseball because baseball, <laughs> because good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. This is Daily Shot of Pirates, and as such, I feel committed to share with you that I see snow and think of Pirates Fest. Back when there was a Pirates Fest, back when that was a really big deal, and it wasn't all that long ago. It wasn't all that long ago. Pirates Fest, for anybody who doesn't know, has taken on different forms over the years. It would draw the official attendance over three days was 21,000 when it was over at the Carnegie Science Center, and it was really jammed tight. Like, that place couldn't handle the crowd at all. And this was, mind you, in the middle of the 20-year losing streak. And from there, the Pirates wisely moved the thing over to the convention center, which was massive, but they still did pretty well over there. They got lots and lots of people, only now it was all spaced out and there was room uh, to navigate the lines, except for the autographs. They're always long. But the lines otherwise were manageable. The crowd sizes for the Q&A sessions, which are always the highlight for me, were manageable. And then a couple years ago, they just basically decided to punt on the thing and move it to PNC Park. That They won't like hearing that sentiment from anybody, but that's what that was. Having it at PNC Park and not having that feel anymore for being part of something special by having one big room and all these people there just to uh, talk baseball or to participate in activities related to baseball just to me, killed the thing. Uh, they still did the Q&A session, but it was infinitely smaller, and maybe that was by design, given the way things were heading with management and everything else. But maybe someday there will be a Pirates Fest again. Obviously couldn't be one this year. But that also, in turn, makes me think of something else. What will it take to get people excited the way they used to get excited over even the tiniest announcement that would come along with Pirates Fest. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. If you're too busy to get down to Mike's yourself, you can choose your favorites from the more than 500 beers from the comfort of your own home just by going to mikesbeerbar.com. Buy three crawlers get three free, or mix and match two six-packs and get free delivery. Choose beers from more than 50 local breweries, and again, for the beers only, it's free delivery. Anywhere in Allegheny County or up into the Cranberry area of Butler County. You might even have Mike himself, our man Mike, bring you 
the beer. Call 412-322-BEER to order and pay. Person must be 21 years old. ID required and present to receive delivery. Mike'sBeerBar.com I remember in particular the Pirates Fest from... I'm going to have a hard time attaching a year to it. Maybe it was 2007, 2008 when the Pirates made the trade to get Adam LaRoche from the Braves, and he was going to be that left-handed slugger who was going to finally take advantage uh, of the Clemente wall, at least be the first guy since Brian Giles to do it. And everybody got all excited because they saw his numbers in Atlanta, and he was a 25-homer, 80-RBI guy. But more importantly than that, everybody was all fired up that they just did something. They got a player. They gave people a tangible, arguably intangible, too, reason to buy tickets. And tickets were sold. Tickets were sold. They were sold for Pirates Fest that same weekend. People were buzzing. But they also sold lots of season tickets at the event, which they do in person at these things. Because they created a buzz. And it's something that I hear about nonstop from baseball fans around here. Why don't they just do that thing that makes us believe in them? Why don't they just make a splash? People are still waiting for that right now from Ben Charrington in this front office, even though it could not possibly have been made clearer that no such thing is forthcoming. Why is that? Everything about the Pirates in our region is rooted in the distrust of Bob Nutting. People don't believe what he says. People don't believe in what he does. And as a result, they see the Pirates as a generally fraudulent operation. That's just it. That is... That isn't the elephant in the room. That's the entire zoo in the room. The Pirates are a one-issue candidate as far as probably about 90% of our region is concerned. Not an exaggeration. You can find the most casual fan, you know, someone who just says they'll watch like a game or two a year, but as soon as you bring up Bob Nutting, they've got something to say. It's unbelievable. Like, they don't even follow the team, but they're ready to pounce all over Bob Nutting because he's become, you know, exactly what he is in this town. That's not going to change. That's not going to change. If the Pirates signed some big name, I don't know, starting pitcher or something, it wouldn't change. All you'd hear is, okay, the payroll's now back to half of what it was two years ago. Keep going, Bob. Or what are you doing with the rest of the money, Bob? If the Pirates spent up to where payroll was three, four years ago when it was at a franchise record $100 million, just barely inching over the $100 million mark, All you'd get is, well, okay, this is where it was the last time you were good. What are you going to do now to make it better? So what the Pirates as an entity have done, and obviously that's with 
Bob Nutting at the helm. He's hired two guys in Travis Williams and Ben Charrington, and he has set out for them the conditions through which money could, would, and should be spent. Not the amounts, but the could, would, and should. Kind of a guidance to it. Charrington, Ben Charrington, the general manager, you'll have to trust me on this. If you trust me on anything that I say, you can't make a convenient exception on this count, okay? I get that a lot from readers too. Like, I like everything that you have to say except the stuff about the Pirates. Look, I'm the same guy, okay? I just happen to know what the truth is on these things, and I'm not lazy. I actually do research and talk to people and find things out, not just directly from them, but even from people who don't happen to like them. And the truth here is that Ben Charrington is the one who's not spending money. Why? Because he sees, and I believe rightly so, that it's pointless. He is in the process of moving players out and trying to stock up the minor league system because he has seen in his own experiences in Boston, Toronto, and elsewhere that that's the only way to win, to have success over any sort of significant period of time, and to have enough cracks at winning in the playoffs to get the whole thing done. It's an unfair system the Pirates are in, and yet you hear people still in Pittsburgh saying things like, look what the Yankees are spending versus what the Pirates are spending, as if these are choices. The Yankees have a television contract that is roughly eight times the size of the one the Pirates have. The Dodgers have one that is roughly 12 times the size of what the Pirates have. The Dodgers make it to the World Series every year now. Wonder why? Sure, they have a really good farm system, but they also can make sure to pay Clayton Kershaw and to pay the great players that they do bring up and keep them there. They don't have to make tough decisions. They don't have to reach the point that even the Red Sox reached a year ago with Mookie Betts. They never have to make that call. They just say, well, okay, just sign another check. Because this system is unbelievably imbalanced. But we have made nutting into such a villain that we can't even engage in a civil discussion about how baseball needs a salary cap way more than the Pirates need a new owner. If there was a cap in place, a cap system, and yes, yes, that includes a floor, all cap systems do, and expanded revenue sharing, so you can afford easily to be at the cap floor or even the cap max because of the expanded revenue sharing, if there was a true cap system in baseball, you wouldn't even know the owner's name. You just wouldn't. It wouldn't matter to you. Do you know if the Steelers are at cap max or at cap minimum? Do you know if the Penguins are at cap max or cap minimum? Both of those teams, to their credit, do spend close to the cap. Do you know what the difference is between a cap max and a cap minimum? 
in all leagues, meaning NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, that have them, it's a $20 million gap. That's virtually nothing. If there was a cap system in baseball, you would not know who the Pirates' owner is. And yet we still have people waiting, waiting for the big splash. And it's not coming. It's not coming. If this is the thing that's going to decide whether or not you're a Pirates fan, find something else to do with your life because it's not coming. Look at what the Rays have done. If that doesn't make you comfortable, find something else to do with your life because that's that's where this front office is heading. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you today by the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. These good people are committed to providing food for our neighbors in our region who are in need. Go to pittsburghfoodbank.org slash get help to find food near you. Today's question comes from Brian Kerp. He asks, what do you project the starting rotation to be in 2021, one through five? And... I'm not normally one to to pounce on ranking the starters because they it really doesn't mean all that much over the course of a season. It sounds cool. We're talking about depth charts and so forth, but the number one starter, if everybody just takes their turn in the rotation, has just as much impact on your season as the number five starter. It's just what order they come in, A, at the beginning of the season, and B, coming out of the all-star break. But you asked nicely, so I will come back with this. In order, Joe Musgrove, Mitch Keller, Chad Cool, JT Brubaker, and Stephen Brault. Is that a great rotation? No. Is there some potential to it? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. The best thing that happened to this rotation in recent months were the departures of Chris Archer and Trevor Williams, who were albatrosses on this process way more than anyone associated with the Pirates would be comfortable admitting because they're both really, really good guys. Doesn't matter. Neither of them was pitching well. Neither of them was making it out of the third or fourth inning, and it was just crushing the bullpen. It was crushing spirits before a game even had a chance to get going. They were giving up tons of home runs in particular, and they needed to go. Archer, of course, went even before this past season started, with the thoracic outlet syndrome injury, and now Williams has been cut loose following the season non-tendered through arbitration. So what do you have left? You have Musgrove, who has 
stuff, moxie, and everything else. He just doesn't have any consistency. I will believe consistency from Joe when I see it. Uh, I believe in his will, his drive, and I believe in his arm. My goodness, the guy can bring it, and he's got tremendous stuff as far as movement and bite. And he's also really good at working off Jacob Stallings to keep hitters off balance. He's maybe the one guy in the rotation that you look at when he takes the mound and thinks to yourself he could still be standing there in the eighth or the ninth. But you got to do it. I'm not telling you anything that Joe wouldn't tell you himself. Uh, Mitch Keller, everyone got really excited about his last two starts of 2020, not me, because he also walked a ton of guys in those games. The fact that nobody could muster a hit off of him was cute and everything, but they're not going to muster a hit off you if they're not swinging. And if they are swinging at your pitches out of the zone, that's on them, not on you. Mitch Keller, here again, really, really bright kid, uh, ambitious, driven, has all the stuff, has all the tools, has not shown the consistency and has not stayed on the mound. Chad Cool, as driven, if not more driven, than the two men, the two I already mentioned, uh, and that's saying something. He came back from Tommy John and checked every box along the way. Uh, I, I, I couldn't be happier for him, uh, first and foremost as a person, but also as a player, to have come back and to have performed the way he did. And he got stronger with every passing start. He had one blip. He had one lousy game, and that was even then. You can throw an asterisk next to that because he was pitching through three starts of a significant blister on the finger that affected his command. He came back and did everything you'd want. Okay, great. JT Brubaker, again, still need to be sold on him. We saw some good things. We saw some not-so-good things. We saw that he has the capability to be a major league starter. Now, what kind of major league starter he can be, he'll tell us that, but we don't know that, so that's why I've got him fourth. And why is Stephen Brault fifth, even though he seems to finish every season strong and we all get our hopes up? Why? Because he will end up hurting something in spring training, and he will end up on the shelf at some point, and he will end up struggling through the first half, and we'll all wonder why we got excited about Stephen Brault, who is, again, like the rest of these guys, just a terrific dude and everything else. So I'm not saying any of this stuff in some mean, personal way here. I'm trying to give it to you real, and that's where it is. That said, Brault is a lefty, and lefties last forever. They get chances after their chances, after their chances. He does not have the stuff of the rest of the guys on this staff. But he did show something other than just pinpoint my fastball later in the year when he started working off of his changeup a lot more, actually really heavily on the changeup, and kept hitters from being able to just sit there and get comfortable with their timing off of his fastball. Um, We'll see. But he's five, and he's five for a reason, and I'd be surprised if he wasn't a 5A or a 5B entering Bradenton because the Pirates are going to need to have more starting pitching depth, even if that's just 
you know, the Cody Ponce types that are always kind of floating around there on the fringe, um, you're going to have those guys in the mix and at least theoretically competing for starting jobs. But that that's my group. That's it right there. Um, I appreciate the question, Brian, and I appreciate everybody listening to this show. We'll be back on Monday with more baseball stuff, Daily Shot of Pirates. Park University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.